Welcome, everybody. Um, as you probably know, if you've been following this series, these conversations are all about professional identity. I'm interviewing people who have built a strong professional identity that expresses their self-worth. My guest today is Tracy Phillips. Uh, Tracy has uh, built a very strong professional identity working in the culture space. Uh, I love her phrase, intentional culture. Uh, do you want to start, Tracy, by telling us a bit about your work and what this phrase intentional culture means? Absolutely. Thank you, John. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, yes. Yeah, so intentional culture to me is, is a very timely phrase and a very timely thing to be understanding right now. Um, as, as we are moving back into normal work for some people and out of this sort of crisis phase that many teams and many individuals have been to in the been through in the workplace over the last 18 months or so it feels like an important and relevant time to pause and think about what sort of culture do we want to create within our teams going forward and i think that you know as the as the pandemic kicked off a while ago um, and teams were and individuals were sent home, everybody was kind of in that panic phase of, we just need to get through this. You know, we, especially initially, we thought, well, this is only for a few months. We're just gonna put our heads down and get through this. Um, and, and then we started to realize this thing kind of had legs, like this is gonna be around for a while and we were gonna be working in this type of way um, for a number of months, perhaps. Um, and now there's a lot of companies looking to go back to work in some sort of way or in some sort of hybrid um, way of working. Um, and so it's, it, I think it's, it's about understanding that we're never going to go back to what we had in the past ne it necessarily. So we need to understand what kind of culture do we need to create or re-envisage uh, for the teams going forward now. Sure. Um, it's um, otherwise you accidentally fall into it. You get the accidental culture, or the which is often trying to just recreate what we had before, um, with be, some people not there. What would be an example of that accidental culture? Uh, for instance, you know, we always met in person around this topic, and so now we'll have a Zoom call around the topic, and it will still be a meeting. So it's it's examining these meetings people are getting zoom fatigue so it's examining how do we do we need to be meeting on every single one of these topics we now have i think there's a there's there's perhaps a lot of disadvantages to this this hybrid way of working or this you know working from home remote working there's also a lot of advantages so how do we look at meetings that have just always been in the diary and therefore we've kept them in the diary and examine if there are other ways given that we now have access to these tools and everybody's used to using them that we can cut some of these things out and be more productive more effective um, mm. by taking advantage of these tools right and if there was on this call or listening to this call if there was a manager or a leader who is grappling with the issues of hybrid working uh, right now what sort of tips or advice or, or insights would you offer to them? I think one of the most important things is to understand when your team does need to come together. When is it imperative for the kind of work that you're doing that everybody's there, everybody's focused, everybody is fully engaged? And then 
carve that time out, whether that is in person, you know, whether that is that you say once a week for this topic, we all need to be in the office together, um, or it's that we all need everybody on a Zoom call to do this type of work. Um, understand when your team needs to be able to bounce off of each other, able to have those sort of live conversations and make sure that that's happening. But then examine all the other stuff and figure out when can I kind of let them go off and do the work that they need to do. Um, so I think that that's one of the key things. One of the other things that I've found really effective is no matter whether you're at home or at the, at the office, if you are calling into, a, or if you are having a meeting, if somebody's dialing in, everybody dials in because that, that dynamic where you've got some people together in one room and then you've got some people dialing in and so it, it just doesn't work very well. So it puts everybody on a level playing field that if one person's dialing in, everybody's dialing in. Right, right. I guess this is going to herald a lot of changes in, in culture, in ways of working, in, uh, in the, the below the line, uh, how things are done around here uh, mindset. Um, what's your experience of this? Yes. And I think, you know, as, as we said, that's when we need to think about being really intentional. So if the way things are done around here is changing, and for most of us, it has in, in some aspect, it's understanding how that's changed and how the work gets done and how we communicate. Those are the places where you might need to be a lot more prescriptive as you're thinking about how the team works together. And that's okay, but explore that as a team and figure out where we need to be really prescriptive, where we maybe didn't have to be as prescriptive before when we were all together in an office. Right. And the other piece I think that is you need to be really intentional about is that informal communication. You know, it's it just, it's so important to us as people to have that connection. And it's so much harder to build in this sort of environment. And so you've got to, again, be intentional with how you allow and afford and encourage that connection through that informal communication. Yeah, yeah. Are there any particular groups who are feeling the pinch more than others? I think, so there's a, there's a stat that is, um, is so telling. The research says that 70% of a team's engagement is down to the manager. Now, as a manager, that either strikes fear or strikes hope in your heart, right? That 70% is down to you. Um, and, and so I think it's, it's, as it so often is, it's the manager, you know, the, the frontline manager who's feeling the pinch around this stuff because so much of how that team is engaged and involved and communicating and, and performing comes down to how the manager sets out that culture. So the more that they can think about this and think about what it is they want and they need and their team wants and needs, um, the, the, the more realistic it is that they're going to be able to achieve that. So I guess you're saying that, that the changes that are going on right now, and in particular, the hybrid working uh, changes, are putting a lot of pressure and responsibility on managers. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, they're caught literally in the middle. Of it all. Any other groups? <clears throat> Any other groups who are who are feeling the pinch? It's again kind of thinking about culture. I think it's interesting from sort of the the, the senior level as well. Um, you, we've seen a number of companies kind of come out and be very 
um, prescriptive, you know, we all will return to the office. We've seen some of the banks, you know, come in the Goldman Sachs, I think, and, and some of the other ones coming out and say, we, everybody is, you know, bums on seats back in the office. That's how we work. And then we're seeing other companies who are trying to um, define what hybrid means to them. Um, but still kind of dictating in a sense saying, right, the policy around hybrid is this. Uh, and, and for me, I think the sweet spot is allowing the managers to figure out with their team what, what that team needs as far as hybrid working goes, because it, I think it differs from team to team. So there may be some, you know, some guardrails maybe that, that a corporation, a company, an HR um, professional puts out. But I think there needs to be that that flexibility so that the team can figure out how it needs how it works for them and how it's best going to work for them. Um, so to your question, I think it's uh, and the upper echelons as well. They're feeling like there's this pressure of we need to make a decision about this. We need to have a you know take a stand and have a policy. And um, mm. I think you know taking your time to figure it out is going to pay benefits in the end. Because if you get it wrong, people will go. Yeah, and oh, it's already happening. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I have, by the week, I have examples of, of that crossing my, uh, crossing my desk. Yeah. And I guess there's a lot of opportunity in what you're saying. There's an opportunity here for culture change, not just hybrid working. There's an opportunity to do a culture reset, perhaps. Um, there's an opportunity to um, give freedom perhaps to individual managers to make these decisions. Um, I guess all of this is cultural anyway, isn't it? So e even that freedom is a culture, is a cultural freedom. Turning to yourself, Tracy, how did you get into all of this? What was, what was your background before you were doing this work? Uh, so I worked for about 12 years in, in a learning and development organization for a large global corporate. Um, and we kind of were a hybrid team. Um, just out of necessity. So I, as the manager of the team, I reported into the US. I'm based in London. I reported into the US. I had a team based in London, but I also had a team based in Hong Kong. Mm. So, you know, we kind of, we, we, we covered the globe as far as, um, as far as um, time zones. Um, I was, I was not in the same place as my manager. I was in the same place as some of the people that I was managing, but not, not all of them. So we, I, I've kind of been playing in this space for, for quite a while, both as, uh, as a, someone who reports to somebody that's not there and also somebody who has people reporting into me. Right. Interesting point. And I've heard it said by, by many who work in, in large corporate life that, look, this has been our world anyway for, for a year. You know, we've been virtual. We've been operating across the time zones. We're having to interview people at two o'clock in the morning because they're in their time zone. and. I'm traveling, you know, so is it all the same or is something different now? I think it's, it's different in that it's affecting so many more people now than it had before. Um, yes, there have been people that have kind of working, have been working like this for a very long time, but I think that was, that was generally a minority. Um, and, and now we've got, I'd say, pushing maybe towards the majority of people who are in some way having to either deal with this themselves within their own team or deal with clients um, or customers who are working in this way. So they're having to, to understand and interact with things and, and people in a different way. So yeah, I think it's changed for a lot of people now. 
So let's turn to the individual person who, uh, as you say, more and more of will be dealing with this change. So they used to be in an office and now they're not. Um, they used to have regular meetings with their boss. Now they're working for somebody they've never even met um, or who perhaps is in a different side of the world. Um, they, uh, when they wanted informal advice on the presentation they were preparing, um, they could mug somebody on their way to the coffee machine. Now they have to set up a Zoom call with them uh, or a Teams call with them. And that person is super busy, so it's very hard to get into their diary. Um, I, I'm trying to uh, get into the shoes, if you like, of somebody who's navigating this for the first time, probably, in, in their career. Um, what would you say to them? Yeah, so I think it, it, there's a lot more personal responsibility now, as you said, like you, you need to be really going after it. So if you are that person that needs a bit of or wants a bit of feedback on something you're doing and there's somebody that, you know, you can't get into their diary, you just need to be speaking up and saying, you know, look, this is this is really important for me. Um, one of the one of the examples that I've come across recently that got me really thinking about this is somebody who started um, within the pandemic and hasn't been able to meet anybody on their team. And there's there's a slight performance issue. But the problem is nobody feels like they've got enough of a connection and a relationship with that person to give them any feedback on their performance. And so this person has no idea that they're not performing up to the standards. Um, so they, that either those expectations haven't been set or they're just not receiving the feedback that had they been in an office, they'd, they'd sort of been gleaning, you know, they'd be gleaning um, a bit more about or they're, they'd have that relationship with somebody who could kind of say, hey, you know, we need to kind of look at this. It's not working very well. Yeah. yeah so that, you know, the, the net net of that is somebody's not performing. Nobody's telling them, yeah. but nobody's feeling like they've got a, a strong enough relationship to be able to have that conversation. Yeah. And, and as a result, that not performing may not get corrected and look at the consequences. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's everybody kind of needs to raise their game a bit around communicating and being really intentional with communicating and allowing for that, for those relationships and that connection to build. But like I said, it, it, it can't then be more Zoom meetings because people are already you know, maxed out on that. So that's that kind of takes me back to what I was originally saying about when do we need to be connecting and how do we ensure that we've got space in order to do that? And then when do we just, we're connecting out of habit, but actually it's the meetings that we could do, you know, I could give you this feedback asynchronously, asynchronously on this or, you know, something like that. So it's, it's really re-examining all of it, the whole thing and rebuilding in a way that's going to work. That's a really interesting, just taking that one topic of feedback. Uh, I've not heard that presented in the, in the way you just have uh, before. How feedback might not be happening because we're operating in this virtual world and therefore nobody has the relationship to give the feedback and therefore feedback might not be happening that should be happening. I'm just thinking of the consequences of that for careers, for organizations, because, you know, as Boris Becker said years ago, feedback is the breakfast of champions. So if those feedback loops are not happening, that's a lot of breakfast that's not been served. Wow. This new ways of working goes into all kinds of spaces, doesn't it? It absolutely does. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that is and oftentimes it brings me back to that that whole topic then of psychological safety. How do you build the safety so that I do feel comfortable giving you feedback, even though we've never met in person? Um, how can we ensure that that is in place across the team so that we aren't we aren't we aren't doing that to people? We aren't robbing them of the feedback that allows them to develop and allows them to grow and allows them to to you know create their career. And I anticipate somebody listening going, and yes, Tracy, how do we do that? <laughs> it's, so that there's, a, there's an interesting model around psychological safety that I used um, by a company called Leader Factor. And they've kind of broken it down into four, uh, four elements of psychological safety. So the, the, the first one being inclusion safety, and then there's learner safety, contributor safety, and challenger safety. Um, and there's, you know, interesting dynamics happening across all of those phases. Um, but that, you know, the challenger safety, for instance, if that isn't in place, your team's not going to be able to innovate because nobody wants to challenge the status quo. Nobody wants to um, nobody wants to push back against what's happening because it's not safe to do so. Um, so I think feedback sits squarely in there in that element in that realm of, of psychological safety and and helping to ensure that that is there and present in your team so that people do feel safe to have those conversations. Very interesting. So talking about evolution and change, uh, obviously the pandemic has uh, affected many people, many businesses. Uh, what impact did it have on you? Well, like many people, I, I haven't had very many um, in-person trainings, in-person meetings um, for quite a long time. I actually had my first one yesterday, and it was an absolute pleasure to sit and have coffee with a client <laughs> across the table. It was lovely. Um, and I haven't been traveling really at all over the past 18 months, and um, I, I, I miss that element as well. Um, it, but on the flip side, there's commuting's exhausting. Yeah. Not having to do that is amazing. Yeah. You can you know, be speaking to so many more people throughout your day in different areas of the world. I've been doing more delivery in places like Asia without having to jump on an airplane to do it. So, um, yeah, there's, there's definitely upside. Mm. Has it changed the nature of the work that you're doing? Obviously, it's changed that the in-person to, to right. uh, screen is, is clear. Um, has it changed the content, the, the actual uh, subject matter as well? Yes, I'm finding that there's teams are really wanting to focus on and perhaps then feeling a lack of um, a lack of trust, a lack of collaboration, a lack of communication. And they're seeing the effects of that on on the team's performance and on how effective the team can be. So there's there's been a real focus on, you know, I, I feel like as a team, we need we need to help. We need to build that trust. We need to build that ability to collaborate. How can we do that? Um, so there's there's a lot there's a lot of that coming up. There, it's always been there, but there seems to be more of it now. Right, right, interesting. And for you yourself personally, what was it like to go through lockdowns and homeschooling? I know you have young kids. Um, you know, it, it, it must have been uh, quite a challenging time. Uh, what was hardest? Uh, I homeschooling is the hardest. I have so much respect for every teacher out there. Thank you for doing what you do so, so that I don't have to do it. because <laughs> It's not my strength. Um, yeah, that was, that was really difficult and trying to fit it in, you know, we're, we're two career families. So trying to fit it in with work, 
um, meant that I, I, you know, had to push some stuff, shelve some things. Luckily, I had some clients that were uh, west coast of the U.S., so I could could work in the evenings. Um, but that was um, those were long days then. Yeah, can imagine. Can imagine. Um, what did you learn from it? You know, as we go through the pandemic, sometimes life looks different. Um, mm. Some eighteen months on, what uh, what did you learn from that? rather bizarre year before we through. You know, uh, there's some very practical things that have come out of it. Um, while I've always done some things virtually, I look back now and think, actually, I'm not sure that I was great at it. Um, I've had to get, I've had to up my game in delivering virtually, as I think a lot of people now have to. Um, so some, some very basic skills in how to deliver uh, virtually that is much more effective, how to create engagement within a virtual team, how do you bring more voices into the room? Um, so those sorts of really practical aspects uh, have come out of, of just doing this a whole lot more. Um, and, and that's been fantastic uh, because it, it just makes you more effective and helping others to, to learn those so they're more effective. Um, yeah, and then basic things like, you know, hug your family. <laughs> yeah. I haven't yeah. seen some of my family in a very long time. So, yeah, just um, not taking things for granted. Yeah, indeed. And well, obviously, um, you know, I work in the self-worth area. Uh, so I have to ask this question. How, how has your relationship with yourself evolved over, over that same period? So that's, that's, I think, as it is for most people, that's a long journey for me. And when, when I look back at sort of the beginning of my career, um, I was really under the impression that in order to be successful, I had to emulate somebody else who was successful. And, and there are things that you can learn, obviously, from, you know, watching people who are successful. But the way that I was doing it at that time was not authentic. I was literally trying to be somebody else um, and emulate their strengths and do exactly what they did and take their approach. And it, it's it, for anybody who's ever tried to do that, even for a short amount of time, it's exhausting, right? It, because it's not, it's not who you are. So as I've, as I've moved through my career, my experiences, and, and also as I've come to kind of understand how powerful it is to um, understand your own strengths, as well as your own weaknesses and embrace both of those. Mm -hmm. um, that's really helped me to be, I think, much more authentic and therefore much more comfortable with my own self-worth. I understand what it is. And it's not based on somebody else. It's based on me and my strengths and, and my weaknesses, knowing what those are and then understanding and having strategies about how to, to shore those up so they don't trip me up and they don't get in my way. So it, yeah, I'm still working on it, as I think, you know, everybody, everybody does. Aren't <laughs> we all? has an end. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all? Well, that's as good a note to end on as any other. Tracy, thanks ever so much for joining us and for bringing your perspective on the changing culture. And uh, certainly that point you mentioned about feedback, you know, and feedback not happening uh, due to the, the, the relationship not being there, perhaps. That's um, that's something I've really learned and you this morning. So thank you. Have a thank good day. Thank you, John. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thanks.